0: As we jump into the Word today, I've titled this message, He Promised. Turn to the person next to you and say, He Promised. No, no, say it like, say it, say it like an attitude, like, He Promised. hmm There you go. I I, uh, I I have been having victory over a little head cold, so uh, I'm feeling great, so you don't have to fear for me, or like I'm going to pass out or something. Um, but it does, it, it's stripping my vocal cords a little bit as the snot runs down my throat. We're... We're family. I thought, I thought we were family. <laughs> so, uh, and so, just bear with me. I apologize if you're visiting. Come back next week. I'll, I'll sound a lot better. Um, we're going to talk about the promises of God for just a moment today. A couple of years ago, I did a series about the promises of God, and um, it actually, it took me four weeks because there are so many promises in Scripture. For you and for me as believers He's promised us so many things In fact, I would, I would review for just a moment with you Just the categories I could never cover all the scriptures Of his promises to you and me But let me explain to you Even just the categories There are four major categories in scripture That we find his promises about First of, all, he promises us things about his love for us I love you with an everlasting love Nothing can separate me from you Not no not demons, not, high, angels Heights or depths, Nothing can separate me from the love that I have for you He has all these promises about how he loves you Then if you look through scripture You'll find he has all these promises about purpose And plans that he has I know the plans I have for you says the Lord Remember we did that in the architect series Plans to prosper you these amazing plans that God has for There's tons of scripture about the authority that he's given, the promise authority that we can walk and be upright. We can be the head and not the tail. We can be above and not beneath. It's amazing. All of the promises that God has made towards us. And then the last area where he promises us to prosper us. And I want to just review a couple of those for just a moment. And then I want to dive into just teaching you a little bit about the promises so that as we close out today and we bring our, thank offering to the Lord you'll recognize it's because God is good and that he fulfills his promises see this is so passionate in my heart today because I'm standing in the middle of, a, of God' promise. I, I never knew that God would actually... I, I doubted at times that God would actually take your path and my path and bring it together so we could do great things for God. I doubted a year ago that we'd ever have a facility. After years of trying to get places and knocking on doors and begging people to let me at least rent the facility from them. And one rejection after another rejection. I struggled with God's promises. Oh, but now I stand. In the middle of his promise. And I can stand here and say, God fulfills his promises. And I want to teach you a little bit about what he says about prosperity for a moment. First and foremost, look at Psalms 92 and verse 12. Psalms 92 and verse 12, he says, the righteous will flourish. This is a promise. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. Come on, palm trees. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. I don't know what that looks like, but that sounds Cool. Plant it in the house of the Lord; they will flourish in the courts of our God. Verse fourteen: They will still bear fruit in old age. Come on, folks, a little older. Yeah, I'm gonna bear fruit in my old age, and they will stay fresh and green. Come on, if you're over, if you're over twenty-five in the room, because that's old, why don't you turn to that person next to say, "I'm staying fresh and green." Come on, Tom, fresh and green. All these young people think we old. We not old. We fresh and green. I'm holding to that promise doggone it. That means no wrinkles. Come on, I like what Joyce Meyer said. Joyce Meyer said she got a facelift and she said, "I have a scripture that I can do it." The Bible says that He's coming back for a bride without spot or wrinkle. Some gentleman just lost ten thousand dollars. His wife's going to get a facelift. Look at Proverbs chapter three and verse nine and ten. It says, "Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to." Oh, he's promising. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats. With, will uh, brim over with new wine. You, 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 listen, that's why, I, that's why I don't get worried about those of you that struggle about tithing. Because I know if you'll just, if you'll start learning the word of God, and you start learning his promises. Look what he says. Look, if you'll bring your first fruits, you, you understand in Bible times, what was happening was they didn't have uh, bank accounts and checking accounts and, and, and online digital accounts. What they had was they had crops and the crops didn't all grow at once. You don't get an apple tree and it produces all the apples at once. No, some come and and then others are still growing and then you pick these and there's still some more still that aren't ripened yet. And that's what he says. Listen, if you'll take the first fruits, so the first bit of the crop and take a tenth of that and you'll bring it to me, if you'll bring it to me, he said, what I will do, I promise, it says, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim with new wine. Listen, I don't have to make an explanation for God's promises. All I got to do is present it to you and if you're a man, or woman of faith you'll go oh wait a minute so if I will take the very first fruits of what I make and I bring it to the house of the Lord he will then cause my barns to overfill can you imagine you're a little guy and you, and you work with your dad and you'll have a wheat and, and all this wheat that you guys are farming and the first kid comes in and you bring it and you bring it to the house of the Lord and then it keeps growing and growing and, and you're dad I can't put any more in the barn what do we got to do that's what God promises See, his promises are yes and amen for those of us who believe. In other words, God doesn't change his mind when it comes to his promises. Some of you struggle to understand and believe God's promises because you grew up or had a situation in your life where a person in authority or a person of influence or a person you trusted broke a promise. An ex-husband who promised this, that, and the other. He's your ex-husband because he did not follow through on his promises. Uh, those maybe a, a mom or a dad who promised this, this and this but instead they abandoned you That promised that they would always love you but they didn't love you behind closed doors maybe, maybe you had someone, a coach or someone promise you a position if you did this and they broke that promise so typically what I find in the church is that we struggle to believe that God will fulfill his promises because no one else in our life has fulfilled their promises and I don't know about you but Um, we grew up with not a whole lot of anything. And so, as a result, I've learned not to make promises to my kids. And I don't make promises to them, not because I don't want to give them something. I don't make promises to them because I'm scared that I can't fulfill it. And so, the reason why... People don't make promises many times. It's not that their heart's not there. It's that they can't fulfill it. And broken promises were people who said that they would do something or they would accomplish something for you. And they didn't do it because they probably either didn't really want to or really didn't have the ability to accomplish it. But that's not our God. Our God can make all the promises in the world because he has the ability to fulfill it. If he says, I will give you the cattle on a thousand hills, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. So he can fulfill his promise. If he says, I'm going to make you the head and not the tail, he can make you the head and not the tail because he's God. And that's the problem is that we live in an era where we struggle to believe God's promises simply because everyone else in our life maybe has broken promises. We probably don't give promises because we don't want to be the person who they get mad at because we couldn't fulfill our promise. God can give promises because God can fulfill promises. So as you go through the Holy Scriptures, you can find the most beautiful promises about you about what God wants to do for you. So it's embarrassing to me that Christians live in poverty. It's embarrassing to me that you're still bitter in your soul. It's embarrassing to me as a man who grew up without anything, and God has blessed me with everything I could ever want. Why? Because I've learned to hold to his promises, and God does what he promises. I'm standing in it today. I'm friends with you today. He said he would bring me amazing people, that I could be their pastor. I, I struggled to believe at times. I had difficulty knowing if it would actually come to pass. But friend, let me tell you something. I'm a living testimony that if God said it, he will do it. If he promised it, he will not break his promise. So I want to give you a couple ways to activate God's promises in your life. Are you there? Say yes. Come on, you can do better. Are you there? Say yes. Yes. I know you're being quiet so you can hear me, right? Let me take a sip of water. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) The first way to activate God's promise, write this down, it'll help you. The first way is you have to, number one, you gotta believe them. You gotta believe them. oh, that sounds so simple, yeah, right? So 2 Peter chapter one and verse three. It says, Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Now, let me break that down for you for just a moment, if you don't mind. I'm going to break down what that actually is talking about. Again, through these, he has given us his great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. In this moment, as this scripture is being penned, Through Peter's hands. What is happening, we're talking about the New Testament church, somewhere around the 40, 50-year mark, A.D., so just 50 years into the new new era, you know, uh, B.C., now A.D., and so the church is only about 40, 50 years old probably, and Peter says, listen, I want to explain something to you about the promises of God. I don't care what the Greeks say. In this time frame, the Greek mentality, which was the predominant mentality, philosophy, and, and, and theology was coming out of the Greeks, the Greek mentality was this. That inside of us as Greeks is divinity. We are gods on the inside. And the reason that is, come on, you know that because you've studied Greek mythology. So you've got all of these, these Greek gods and all these demigods that had powers like the Greek gods, but they were in human form and so they were limited. So the general concept of the Greeks were this. When I die, if we'll take my body and we will burn it to ashes, I then will be released to be a god. And that was the prevailing concept. And that's why the Christians in the New Testament would not uh, have their bodies burned. That's why they buried them. They would not because they didn't want to participate in this false teaching. And so that's why even to this day, many Christians are like, no, 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 I I don't believe in that. And that's the reason, that's where it came from. That's why. And so the Greeks here are saying, I know that if we can just rid ourselves of this body, we have divinity on the inside of us and we just need to be able to tap into it. And we can't tap into it because of this human form. And Peter basically is addressing that by giving, a, by giving the God perspective on something very similar for us. And look what he says. He says, through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises. He's given us his promises, continue on, so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption of this world. So here's what Peter's saying. He's saying, listen, I want to point out. That the process of embracing God's promises for our life, the moment you start embracing God's promises, you are starting the sanctification effect. And you're now assimilating yourself into God. And so as a result of becoming into God's God's, who He is, as you begin to hold to His promises, you begin to assimilate into Him and therefore are becoming like Him and therefore are God-like. So, divinity's not inside of me because I'm a Greek. I'm not a super God on the inside. And if I can just get rid of this body, I now can reign like Thor or whoever else. No, no, no. Peter's saying, no, no, that's a false teaching. Let me tell you the real teaching. When you begin to embrace God's promises, what you're now saying is, God said it, I believe it. And the moment I start believing what God says, I become His. And the moment I become His, I have His nature. Coming inside of me, and I start becoming like Him. And so, when you and I reject the promises of God, you know that may maybe you can say you're the head and not the tail, and above and not beneath. But I'm not. I, I came from white trash. I'll always be white trash. Just who I am. I can't stop this this porn thing. I can't stop this drug thing. I just you know I go to church and all that kind of stuff here and there, but I can't stop it. Listen, no, no, you haven't embraced His promise. When you embrace His promise, His divine nature begins to work inside of you because He says to you, "No, all things have passed away." I promise you, I'm making you new. And when you and I embrace the promises of God, and we said He said that I will be the lender and not the borrower. I'm a single mom and I'm borrowing from everybody right now, but He said. I will be the lender and not the borrower. And I hold to that. And as you hold to that, you start becoming like him. And that divine process starts happening inside of you. Because why? Because you're his. You got to understand that. Because you're his. When you and I start believing, you can't believe the promises if you don't know them. That's why last week I challenged you, read the Bible. Love the word. So you can know what's been promised you. So you can know what God says about you himself. Here's a second way you can activate God's promises. And that is real simply, do his will. Just do his will. Stop doing everything you want to do. Do his will. Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 35. It says, so do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. So, so what happens is the enemy is constantly telling you, why do you stay going to church? Why do you keep reading the Bible? Why do you keep trying to be a Christian and keep trying to pull you back and pull you back? It's not worth it. See, the moment you tied, your car broke down. The moment you believed that promise, this broke. This went wrong. So-and-so broke up with you and you thought they were the one. The moment you tried, see what happened? That's what he'll do. And, 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 and this beautiful passage in Hebrews says, Listen. He says, "You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you'll receive what He's promised. Yeah. When you do the will of God, He'll receive what he, you will receive." What Jesus said, like this: "You're mine if you obey my teachings, wow. not just because you said a prayer at an altar. You're mine if you obey my teachings." See, there's this thing in being a child of God that we should obey God. And the reason why I say this is because people are claiming promises, but they're not God's children. You can't claim somebody else's promises. For example, every now and then, you know, uh, we'll have kids up here and doing things like that. And once, once, there's no one in this room, probably not even someone in this church, but one of your kids, or two of your kids, or all of your kids. I'm just kidding. But I remember one of the little kids back there, and I was and I was walking through, and they were doing something they weren't supposed to. And I said, "Hey, buddy." Hey, don't do that. And they looked at me. And they did it again. I said, hey, buddy, you don't, you don't, <laughs> don't want to do that. I'm going to do it anyway. Well, first and foremost, that's not my kid. If it was my kid, they wouldn't even dare do that because I would have whooped them. And I don't whip my children, I whoop them. There's a difference. <laughs> those, those of us from Texas know the difference. And, and, and so my kids have a healthy respect. They obey me. Therefore, they are mine. They're mine. They obey me. And guess what? So my promises are to them, not to their little buddies down the street. They're to them. So if you do God's will, you belong to him. Say, oh, pastor, I sin. Yeah, we all do. That's not what I'm talking about. We're talking about living for God the best we know how throughout the day. And God's doing his best to teach us and train us and discipline us and make us a little, and we get a little stronger and we fall back. and Oh, I'm so sorry about that. And he gets a little stronger. Oh, man, I'm trying to read the Bible. I hate the Bible. I love the Bible. I hate the Bible. And we're just living it out day in and day out. But we're his. We belong to him. And as a result, we belong to him. His promises are for us. And we can hold on to him and say, you said, daddy. Daddy, you said. You said, daddy. I don't know if you've ever had your kids do you that. Good, she's not here. My little one. We promised her that she'd get to go do such and such on her birthday. I think it was like Six Flags, or whatever it was. She reminded us of that promise every day. The problem was we made the promise in January. Her birthday's not till October. Today, we go? Today, we going to Six Flags? No. We're going to go to Six today. Is it today? We drive past Six five. There it is. Yeah, but it, it, it's March. It's not your birthday. We're going to do it in a couple months. I promise you. And that's how some of us say, God, God, we need You Promise, You promised I wouldn't be single all my life. I know, but you're 13. Just give me a little bit of time. It's going to happen. I promise you. I got this. I got this. I'm God. I'm God. You say, oh, Pastor. I wish that was right. I'm 45. Yeah, but he's still 13. He's working on him. Just give him some time. He made a promise. He fulfills his promises to those of us who believe and to those of us who obey. That's what we read in scripture. And there's the third way to activate God's presence, uh, promises. Number three, and that is to acknowledge and to be thankful for the promises he's already given us. For the things that he's already done in our life. not so long ago. We were family. We went to a store. So I don't know, it was a grocery store where we were going. And so I, I hold the door uh, as a good gentleman should. Men, you should hold the door. Shame on you. If you don't. And so they all come in and I go to go back inside. And I notice up the corner of my eyes, I go to do that. There's this lady walking up. She's got stuff all in her hand and she's got her cell phone. And she's doing this and she's fumbling all over the place. And I thought Psh, she will never make it through this door. So I, Stand there, and I wait on her. I mean, she's like 30 feet, 30 yards away. I wait on her. My, everybody else has done left. I wait on her, and I wait on her, and she comes walking. She walks right past me, looks me in the eye. She doesn't say thank you. She doesn't wink. She doesn't nod. I get it. You're on the phone. You're busy, so whatever you're doing is so important. She walks right past me and goes inside. I don't know about you, but it, it ticked me off. I'm like, I did not have to stay here and help you. And so I shut the door and I walked up. She was standing there trying to get a basket. Some. I tapped her on the shoulder. She turned to me, I said, you're welcome. And I walked <laughs> off. I'm sure whatever she doing, was doing was important. But I had, I had done something for her. And so the least she could do is say thank you. Listen to me, when you and I are ungrateful, I believe that God gets that same kind of attitude. Are you kidding me? You, you're asking for this. I just did this. You, you're not satisfied. You've you got a car that runs. And you're lusting after your neighbor's Buick. <laughs> you, I mean, you've got to be kidding me. I believe the reason why David was called a man after God's own heart is because as you read through the Psalms, David said things like this on a daily basis. Oh, God. I thank you that you took a shepherd boy and you made him a king. Oh, God, I recognize that, Lord God, it's you who puts my enemies away. Thank you, God. Thank you for covering my sin and blotting out my sin. I was wicked from my mother's womb, and yet you love me. Thank you, God. And there's a gratefulness and a thankfulness that causes the great God of heaven to say, Ah, that's my boy. That's the man after my own heart. That's the guy that understands. He's not a spoiled little brat. The more I give him, the more he wants. The more he asks for, the more I have to give. He says, no, he's like me. He's a giver. He's a lover and he's grateful. I will not, I will not be blessed by this facility and act like I did something to get it. I will not look you in the face. And tell you, isn't this great? It's about time. Y'all know how long I've been serving other people's ministry? I tell you what, I deserve this moment. No, it's God. I almost mess it all up all the time. And I'm grateful and I'm thankful. So why are we doing a thank offering? Because he's God and he's good. And, he, and we didn't have to try to fundraise and get a bunch of money in here. God did it miraculously. We, we can pay the note. It's awesome. You just keep tithing. But we can f- keep paying the note. It's awesome. And everything we bring today in this thank offer, all we're going to do is we're going to fix a little bit of pain. We're going to fix some doors. And we're going to get some little nice area for our kids. We're just going to put it back to what God's already done by saying thank you, God. Thank you, God. I'm not going to be the selfish little person that walks past. When I was a little boy, a single mom raising me. No money. She was doing her best. And during the summer times, she couldn't afford a daycare or anyone to keep me. We moved back in with my grandmother because she couldn't afford her apartment. I was probably about seven years old. My grandmother worked. They both worked till five, six o'clock in the evening. And so in the summertime. I didn't have anywhere to go. So I would just roam the neighborhood. And since we we moved out of the hood and we moved in with my grandmother in this little neighborhood and it had a neighborhood pool. At the neighborhood pool, you had to pay dues to be able to go to the pool. All the kids in the neighborhood, all my friends, they went to the pool. Their mom and dad had money. They could go. It wasn't much. It's 150 bucks for the summer, but 150 bucks to my single mom might as well have been $150,000. There was no way we didn't have it. And I would sit there at the pool during the day. Mom's at work. I would just sit at the fence. Just watch them splashing around and playing. Hey, Bill. You want to come ride bikes? Uh, hey, John. You want to come over? To, you can't come to my house because my mom. Can I come to your house later? You almost finished swimming? I would just sit there. I can remember The rejection. And I would just go ride. And I would go out in the woods and just sit in the woods and try to kill butterflies. It was the only thing I could catch. I was just nothing to do. I was so miserable. One day I'm at the pool, just sitting there staring at all of them. I just stare there for like two hours. I was that weird little kid. All of a sudden, my mom pulls up. It's like three o'clock. She's not home till six. She gets out with that panic look that that a parent has when they've been they've lost a child. Where have you been? Like, what well, what are you doing? She goes, I've been calling. You know, it's before cell phones and text messaging, and before you know, our vice president created the internet. It, it, it was just it, I, we had a house phone, and I wasn't at the house. And she said, uh, I've been looking. I've been driving around the neighborhood looking for you, calling all the pe- neighbors. I said, I, I was just here. And when she looked up and saw me standing there at the pool, I'd asked her for for years, for two years since we'd lived there, if we could ever have enough money to get me to be able to go there. And she said, baby, we just don't ever have the money. And that moment, as I'm standing there, a little sad face, tears coming down her face, she started weeping. It's the only promise she ever really made me. She came, she grabbed me, she said, you will get to go to this pool next year. I don't care what I have to do, I promise you. I said, really, mom? but you don't have the money, I will find a way. And that next summer, I was probably eight years old by that time, I don't know how she did it. I'm sure she worked double shifts. She probably borrowed money from family members, but she got me $150. It wasn't wasn't in big bills, it was pennies and nickels. And I came up there with a little sack that my mom had been collecting all year. And I handed it to them and they said, wow. And man, I went to swimming in that pool And I swam every year for the next five. I still don't know how she came up with it. And I'll tell you, the moment they opened that door to the moment they closed that door, I was there. I'm telling you, if you'd have met me as a kid, you said that kid's black. Because the only thing white on me was my backside and the bottom of my feet. Because I swam in that pool all day. It babysat me. It gave me friends. I had nobody else to talk to or hang out with. All the lifeguards loved me. I was so grateful for what my mom did. She didn't have to ask me to clean my room. She didn't have to beg me, pick up your dishes. I knew what it cost her. And because she was willing to do that, she fulfilled her promise. Let me tell you something, I was thankful. And I didn't talk bad about what we didn't have. And I didn't be mad at my mom that I couldn't have the nice shoes like everybody else. As soon as I could, I got a little lawnmower and I started cutting grass, just like your boy. And I started cutting grass and I bought my own shoes. And I would I would even give stuff to my mom that she didn't have, help her pay for makeup and things she couldn't afford. I want you to know something. When you understand, and the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for you and me to be able to access the promises of God, there's no way you can stand there. (laughs) (laughs) Something has to come over you and me and say, oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God. What can I do to show you my gratefulness, Lord? So we start this ministry at this level. It will, I will not be accused 10 years from now that I was ungrateful for the miracles that God did. I will not claim for myself what God and only God could have done. And as we stand here in our promise, it is with that that we felt so strong from the Lord. We better bring some kind of thank you gift to the Lord. <laughs> Listen, at the end of the day, God's gonna, we don't really need your money. That's not, I'm not, this is not some cool way to get money out of you. This is me trying to teach you. When God and us come together and we start holding to his promises, he starts doing supernatural things, and our response better be, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Oh, God, thank you so much. And listen to me today. I understand not all of you have any kind of financial gift to bring. I'm not. E- that's not even the point. As much as it is every one of us say, God, you're good. God, you're, those of you that used to be a part of destiny, now a part of church, God, you're good. You're still fulfilling the purpose for which you brought this building into existence. You still are fulfilling the things that I gave as gifts 20 years ago. They're still active, and they're still winning souls and making disciples. Friend, listen to me. No matter what. You came out of God is still fulfilling His promises, and we are together for this moment. And we better go go and say thank you, God, for all Your goodness to us. We the only time we say thank you is at Thanksgiving. It's crazy. It's like we got to have sermons on thank you thankfulness so we'll be thankful. Friend, when you and I take on the nature of Jesus Christ, we'll be so grateful for all that he's done and is doing in our midst. You may not have what you want, but you have what you need and that's what he promised. You may not be living in the fulfillment of all the promises that God has for you, but if you'll believe in them, if you'll walk in obedience and you'll continue to be grateful for what he's given you already, then what will happen is you'll activate those promises and it's just a matter of time. I promise you, I promise you, I'm living the promises that, 12 months ago, I was like, he's done with me and I'm done with him. I'm going back traveling. It'd be easier. And then the Lord said, no, I got my promise. Just wait, buddy. Just wait. Just wait. It's coming. You're going to be. And the first time, the first time Jamie and I were in this place by ourselves, everybody was gone. We just, this is unbelievable. When my dad, my stepdad and my mom came, My dad fell on his face right there. He started crying. He wouldn't get off the ground. He said, I knew you would do it. God, I knew you would bless my boy. I knew you would do it. That's why we're doing a thank offering. And that's who you and I need to become. It's men and women who are grateful for all the great things he's done. I want you to bow your heads with me across the room.